0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Good evening and welcome to Sugar and Silk, brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty.
2: My name is Michael Silk-Olajide.
1: So, what's up, Silk? Um, I I didn't know if you'd be gracing the show with your... um, radiant presence this week because i thought you might have been busy i see you um you, you were like taking pictures with hot women in some kind of exercise environment it was that some project you're embarking on of late
2: oh i i might have to look at that picture i don't i don't i don't quite recall i mean it's not <laughs> it's a little commonplace for me to be taking pictures with very gorgeous women so i'm not yeah, quite yeah. sure what picture you're referring to
1: yeah, I used to have that kind of luck. I don't know what happened, but let's um <laughs> let's not like, get too melancholic. Let, I think we should press on into and, and the realm of pugilism. Um so last night, um you know what, ahead of time, I thought I was looking, you know, I look at odds, I look at betting odds for fights. Not that I bet you understand very very frequently at all. I, I almost never bet, but I look at the odds and I and I talk about the odds and stuff. And I was looking at the price um certainly with SkyBet on TFM Lopez, And it had him at 4-1 to to win on points. Now, even to anybody who doesn't understand gambling, you know, that means you put £100 on and they're giving you £500 back silk. Now, for a 50-50 fight, and it was a 50-50 kind of scenario with two two elite performers, but both had their problems lately, you know, inside the ring and out. And um, in Lopez's backyard, and Lopez is an elite fighter, when all said and done, I think maybe people were sleeping on him. I couldn't get the temptation, that price out of my head. I didn't bet on it, but what I said, Yeah, when it came time to call predictions, I said I think Lopez on points. That's my gut feeling. Um, Did you think that beforehand, or what?
2: Well, first of all, Ben, your voice is kind of garbled a little bit, so I'm picking up some things and I understand the gist, but most of it I don't know if that's going to everybody else as well. So I don't know if um, everyone else is getting the same message I am. Is there maybe yeah? How is it now? Uh, Say it again.
1: I just said, how is it now?
2: Yeah, well, that was good. That one that you just said right now. Yeah. It's um, almost like you're, I guess you're kind of like freezing in pieces. Like right now, you're frozen.
1: Okay. You
2: just froze. Okay. Uh, uh, see, I'm moving my head. I'm not freezing to me, but I guess you're not freezing to you either. Are you on now? Maybe you gotta jump off and come back on.
0: Uh, Ben, if you go in and go out, mate, is the uh, way to fix it. I think. Yeah. Uh, Michael, me and you just talk for a second. Did you hear? How did you from what Ben was saying there? How did you feel about the uh, the the Lopez Taylor fight before the fight?
2: Well, going into the fight. it wasn't a fight that actually excited me going in, you know, from state side, I'm sure. You know what I mean? With, um, uh, yeah, it it just, it just wasn't something that excited me. Um, I, I'd seen uh, Taylor fight Catero and uh, I kind of got a good sense of what was going on there. And then of course I know Lopez and um, he's, he's a very strong fighter. He's very aggressive. He moves his hands a lot. Um, But there was something about him that doesn't excite me either it's just a matter of like preference you look at style preferences and how people box and everything and and so so neither one was really my cup of tea not that it doesn't mean they're not both not good or exceptional it just means like when i look at fighters and i see guys fight and i look at their styles and i'm like it, it kind of like it doesn't do anything for me you know what i mean are you there ben i have not said
1: that i mean i i, I like lopez some of the uh The touches last night. It was was a very confident performance. It was a great counter punching performance, you know, waiting for the Southport to lead uh, quite often. But I like the jump shot. Did you like the jump shot that Lopez, he does this little kind of, little bit of a showboat, (laughs) waves the hands, a little bit of kind of, you know, braggadocio gesticulating. And then he jumps in with that shot.
2: You're still coming out garbled right now
1: what well, am i for everybody else because simon told me everybody else is getting me clear oh yeah you guys talk okay. to me
2: on this okay so then it's some um, on my end got, i'm trying to pick it up yeah but maybe if you can speak in shorter sentences because i i miss it when it's like long if it's a long sentence i can't i'm trying to find the words that you're saying to piece the sentence together if, so you, guys, you, if you guys
1: watching this if you guys watching this at home could let me know how clear i'm coming through that would help but I was talking about a jump shot from Lopez when he did that little bit of showboat. And he, You know when you catapult yourself in? Um,
2: oh, yeah, kind of like Hagler used to do it. They called it the gazelle punch or you. whatever.
1: Thank you. Well, yeah, they, they called it a gazelle punch, I think, when it was a hook, yeah? Like with, with Floyd Patterson, that was a gazelle punch. But when Hagler would often throw them strike shots, like you said, and hooks, but he would do it with a strike shot often, like a power jab. Um, yeah. And some, I hope somebody called it the gazelle jab
2: yeah yeah they have names for all these things now and and really what they are they're just more or less like in the moment reactions or or in the moment responses to get to that opponent quickly is something you do it's all ad-libbing you know what i mean and that's something a fighter that's you know that's good and has good balance is able to do it's not something they necessarily practice in the gym and and do that all the time well you said that
1: to me once I was talking about Floyd Patterson switching once, and you were saying, well, you know, he just found himself in that position um, yeah. as much as anything else. It wasn't like yeah. a conscious move. I've got to pick my good friend, Mike Ayala up on something. Um, I don't know what he was in response to, because our broadcaster's been a bit disjointed tonight. But Mike says, on the contrary, both legends in my book, world champions. Now, you can't you can't confuse world champions today with with legends. Because there's too many of them. Because yeah. me and Mike had this when I was in Texas. I'd, I'd say he was a pretty good fighter. And Mike would be like, well, of course he was. he's a world champion. But that doesn't automatically follow these days, uh, unfortunately. I don't think. Because we've seen... Um, you know how it is. Uh, Iceman John Scully was talking the other day saying about how many World champion, world Heavyweight Champions he's met. And he was saying... And if he were to include the more bogus belts outside of the Big Four, then it, then the total would swell even more. Now, you know... I've met a guy like Bermain Stavern, but I don't really think on the one level he was a World Heavyweight Champion. But on another level, I don't really think of him as as any kind of boxing legend. You know what I mean? So I don't want to get sidetracked on that. But I, I think Taylor and Lopez, they are elite fighters. I mean, Lopez has proven it, certainly by beating Lomachenko and then, and then beating Taylor last night. Um, I think some people slept on Lopez because the preponderance of people, certainly on social media, were picking Taylor to do a number on him. And I don't understand why more people didn't see, didn't see that coming.
2: See, Ben, I, I, I look. I looked at this fight last night, and I saw maybe Taylor won the second round, and then pretty much from there, Lopez ran the table. And uh, I, you know, I'm just tired of seeing the same old predictable BS from fighters that are supposed to be this guy's linear champion, and he's like five belt yeah. champion, all the rest of that kind of stuff. And, and his performance was so damn predictable. Like, yeah. he's, he's just throwing the left and then throwing – I'm just like, I'm stunned that in this day and age, after you, you've seen fighters from – you have access to fighters from 1950 to current-day great fighters, and you can't come with something more like – with more uh, offense than that, like that's that's really where you're at. Like, wh- and, and I don't even know if it's Josh Taylor. I'm like your trainers. Like, what are your trainers telling you? Uh, there was not one. There was not one point in this fight that he adapted to what was happening. There wasn't. He didn't change up anything. He did nothing different no. at all. It was crazy. See, like, how do you know? What, was, silk? what
1: you know? What silk? I wonder what the corner were telling him. Okay, because he's got a new trainer in John McNally who happens to be from Liverpool, uh your where, where you were born. And he, uh, I couldn't hear what he was telling him, right? Because in the corners, uh, all you could hear was the uh, music. You know, they, they play rock music and whatever and, and R&B in between, the, in between rounds. And they had mm-hmm. it on so loud in the arena last night. I think it was, is it—is it Jessica McGaskill who does the commentary with, with Jamel Herring? I think it is. It's a female boxer, right? She was complaining. They couldn't hear what the corners were saying because the music was too loud, which, you know, that says a lot about today's market too, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, we we couldn't hear what the trainers were saying, so we can't critique them. But obviously, if if the trainer is saying something to the fighter and the fighter can't adjust to it, then there's a communication issue. It's not the fact that yeah. we can't hear what they're saying. It's the fact that either the trainer said keep doing what you're doing and that's great, or Josh Taylor just doesn't have the ability to switch up. Or they um, maybe because he's a new trainer, he they don't have that communication. But then, then that fight isn't what you're supposed to be taking. You're not supposed to be defending your title, and it's your first time with a new guy and it's a complex issue, and, and you don't understand one another. Like, if you can't listen to your trainer in the corner or you don't trust your trainer, then they shouldn't be your trainer.
1: So were you looking at it last night and thinking, this is t- – Taylor can win this fight. There is a way for him to win it if he was getting the right instructions and doing the right things.
2: I was looking at it last night, and when I saw – you know, I saw the first round, and I'm like, okay. And I saw the second round, and I was okay. And then it just got onto this – this predictability, like like Lopez felt confident. And at that point, this kid has to do something to stop Lopez's confidence from growing because it was only going to steamroll. It was only going to get yeah. more confident the more he went on. And, and the, the kid didn't do anything. I mean, tell me if you can, Ben, did he slip a punch? Did you see Taylor slip one punch?
1: You know what? Now you mention it, I can't, I can't think of a, of a graphic... Instance of him slipping a punch. I do see him. I did see him uh, blocking punches. I did see him pushing away from punches, and I see a nice little swivel. You know, when you like you throw a hook, and okay, you okay, okay, okay. Your...
2: But, but but I'm asking you a series of questions. These are yes or no answers. Did you see no. him slip a punch? Uh, now mention it. No, no, okay. Now, did you see him block a punch? Yeah, yeah, saw block a punch. You see him do it often, maybe a little bit, or a lot.
1: Not as often as he should have done.
2: Okay, uh, did he hook off the jab?
1: No, I don't think he did. Okay, did he? I did, don't he think so. did he? Okay,
2: did he faint and fire?
1: Yeah. Um. Did he faint? See, somebody else mentioned that too. Um. They said, "Where's all the faints gone from Taylor's game, which he used to have?"
2: Okay. And okay. And did he catch and fire? Um.
1: No, I think he was just blocking, moving, and throwing the same kind of combos.
2: Did he throw a a two-punch combination that hit? Two, three, four, five? Did he throw any combinations?
1: No, he was landing single shots when he landed. So,
2: I mean... Do you think? I mean, it's it's like mind blowing. This is basic boxing. Like, no, actually, no. It's advanced. It's what you would expect of a world champion. These basic things that I just said right here is what you would expect from a world champion. You know, lineal champion, five belt champion, whatever it is. He's the only guy. He's the only guy at one forty. So, it's, so you say to yourself, you know what? If Josh, this guy Josh, is being programmed by his trainers, and his trainers have Brought him nothing new to the table. It's absolutely a common, basic performance. That if he would have just applied himself differently, he he could. I, I don't know, Josh. I don't know what he's capable of. But I'm all I'm saying is he was not prepared for this fight. He was physically in shape for this fight. Absolutely in shape for the fight. But as much, but you don't just like get a guy in shape and say go the bell go like this. No, you have to have. You know, there's a there's a a plan, a procedure when you come back to your corner and you're not successful in that round. Your trainer tells you, listen, instead of doing that, do this and and switch up on this and try doing that. And they're giving you ideas. Your trainers are your eyes. Your trainers aren't just there to, like, pat you in the back and and give you water, as you well know. And that seems. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Have you have you done a lot of
1: corner work, Michael? Just I'll just have interest.
2: No, no. I've, I mean, I've done some on the amateur level, but not. Uh, and, and on the pro level, yes, but not on the, like the world championship level. No. Cause uh,
1: as you, as you, you may know, I've done quite. I've done a bunch of corners, amateurs and pros over the years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it is an interesting thing. Um, it is an interesting science to it. Get, getting the win and having. There's times when I feel I was absolutely instrumental in a kid getting a win. Usually in the amateurs, to be honest with you, because in you know why? Because the pros. It, the level I was involved at the pros, a lot of it was preordained in any case, and it didn't feel like there was the same margin for um, for game plans and all the rest of it, because because you know how the business is, and certain things go on in a way that it seems more more preordained. But um, there's times when I feel that, that a lab might have only won because I was there, and he wouldn't have won without me. Obviously, there's other times when you don't feel that you were so important, but... But um, I do wonder. We've said it before, but I do wonder how many people are picking up a, a, a paycheck when they're not really doing everything. Their due diligence, essentially, because you 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 broke down a whole bunch of stuff there, professorially, about things he should have done, should have tried, should have been schooled in, should have been conversant with, and you just didn't see it, and you, and you don't regard it as elite level boxing, clearly.
2: Well, it's almost like. You're, you've seen the blueprint for Lopez. That's not changed, and it didn't change last night, right? Yeah. So the blueprint is there. It didn't. He didn't do anything last night that he hasn't done before. No, absolutely nothing, right? I mean, he's he's strong. He's in great shape. He lets his hands go. His punches are fast, and they'll hurt too. They they they, they, they hurt when they hit. But <laughs> yeah. these are all things that you know he's coming with, and it's not like he's. It's not like he's a you know, Duran or Ali or Leonard or, or Hearns and guys that, that you won't know how great they are until you're actually in the ring with them. Then you have to adjust. Right. But yeah. Lopez isn't that Lopez is exactly what you see is he's, he's, he's not, he's not, I don't believe he's faster live than you see him on, on the video. I, I don't think he hits harder than when you see him on a video, you know, he hits hard. So come on, you go to adjust, you go to adapt where is your fight plan? I, I I just feel like they just trained the kid and they said, what you do naturally will beat him naturally. And- well, you
1: know, Taylor said he'd had the best training camp he'd ever had. Oh. And I'm guessing on the basis of that statement, you're like, well, I'd hate to see the other training camps that you that you must have had prior to that. But um, but to give you the uh, lowdown on his training lineage, he was training with uh, Shane McGuigan, or Barry McGuigan's son, right? Then he left the McGuigan's amid the typical acrimony that seems to happen when fighters leave the McGuigan's. The McGuigan's uh, have this bad reputation in the industry for uh, for not do- doing right by fighters financially, OK? that That's a- the reputation they have. Shane McGuigan was talking about it the other day and he said there is this narrative against us, which is not true. And that's what people talk about. But, you know, look at how some of these guys are performing when they leave us. Because Lawrence Acoli... Uh, absolutely sucked um, in the opinion of most you know, most observers a couple of Saturdays ago when he fought um, Chris Billum-Smith down in Bournemouth. And Taylor last night, for instance, they see the decline there. But the thing with Taylor is when he left Shane McGuigan, he went to Ben Davison, who you all know from training Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders and Lee Wood, amongst others, right? So he went to Ben Davison for a while. He left Ben Davison after that unconvincing performance against Jack Catterall, where everybody in this country thinks that Taylor got beat last time Anyway, you know, so he was he was recovering from the bad PR of that because it was a bad performance and because his attitude was regarded as churlish and truculent afterwards because he said, you know, he he wouldn't admit that he wouldn't give generous to Catterall and, and admit that he got lucky. He he said a bunch of things that made people some people dislike him, you know. So then he went, he left Ben Davidson and he went to this new guy, John McNally. Um, who um I'm not. Did you see at the end there was a bit of consternation and, and they wouldn't hand over the ring magazine belt to T.O.? T- no. Did you notice that? No. Well, at uh, the end of it, before they went to Lopez for the interview um, on ESPN, you could hear him saying, you're disrespecting boxing right now. What kind of shit is this? And that whoever the presenter is, the broadcaster, said, oh, please, T.O., we're, we're we're on the station right now. We're on air. And what it was, he went to go and get the ring magazine belt. So, so he wanted to pose with it, yeah, to go with all his other belts from Taylor's team. What I think happens is they let you keep that belt, right? But you hand it over in the ring often and then you get it back in the changing room and then they send the new champion another one, right? I think that's how it goes. You'd know more about that than me, although not no, quite enough. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, But you were closer to it than I ever was, all right? Yeah. So, um, but they wouldn't give it to him anyway and that was what was kicking off. But, the point I was going to make, in any case, was I don't know if it was John McNally that was having the argument with Tofu Malopez or not, because I don't really know what John McNally looks like, even though I see him. He was in the corner yesterday. Uh, I don't know what he looks like standing up, particularly. Um, which perhaps that's not a bad thing, because maybe it shouldn't be about the calls of the trainer. You know, I mean, you get these guys like Sugar Hill Stewart and Ben Davidson, you know, in this modern era, and they have a profile themselves and they are always doing interviews and all the rest of it, and and perhaps that's not necessarily a good thing.
2: You know, um, I – not to put it all on the trainers, because I also believe that Taylor doesn't know how to read instincts. You know what I mean? No. Like Like, you have to know, as a fighter, uh, you need to know what's going on, like the energy between you two and where it's at and how to change it. And all that has to be considered while you're fighting. Um, it's not just purely about, you know, punching the guy more times than he punches you. It's, it's, there's this, there's this dynamic. You can tell when a guy's on a roll and he gets confident and he starts coming back at you more, when he's putting more pressure on you, when he's, you know, when he, like a lot of people think like the showboarding is just a way to like distract or something, but there's much more to it than that. And, and, and when Lopez uses it, Lopez uses it to show his exuberance, to show his confidence. Um, and, and so it's real because when he really gets hit, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do any of that. But when, but when he, um, but, but if, but if he's feeling good and making you and making you miss and count, hitting you with shots, he's doing all that. So he's very basic, straightforward. You can read him. At that time, you need to stop his role. This boy's on a roll and he's just going to keep building up and building up until you have to, like, you have to put a 10 counter on him in order to win. And and But Taylor doesn't know. For as many fights, I don't know what his amateur career is like, but for his professional career, he didn't know how to stop. Like, he didn't listen to his instincts. And I don't know if that's because his trainers never taught him to listen to his instincts, which is obviously quite feasible. What trainers tend to do today is they'll train a fighter and they'll make him fight in their Do not go outside the mold, really, basically. Just do exactly what. Um, we taught you to do. It's almost like a, like a robot. You put together this living breathing robot and it only has the capacity of what the trainer knows what to do and not what this fighter is really capable of. So Taylor may be very gifted and talented and he's obviously dedicated because he, he is at the point where you know he won the world title. So he is dedicated and he's, and he's strong and he's got all those things. But when it comes to getting over the top and getting over the exceptional or fighting something different than what he's used to yeah. or what he couldn't expect, he can't handle that. And he's never going to be able to handle that with the trainers he, he's he got that, that aren't showing him to do something different. All right? That's how, honestly how I feel. You, got, you have to show a man something different. They looked at all that video footage on Taylor coming in, coming into the fight, and he did the exact same thing that they expected. He, there, there was no worry there. And so you can't come in pitching the same old pitch. In baseball, if you're going to throw a fastball over the plate, you know, 10 times in a row, I bet you six of those times are going to be home runs off that. You know what I mean? It's the same old thing. Like Michael
1: Sanstri, Breaking up, I don't know what people are seeing at home right now. I'm see- I'm losing him on my screen. Um, uh,
0: Ben, is let that me team, know if you still got uh, me? It's your because uh, I've lost
1: Michael on the right hand side, uh, there, it's
0: your you know, straight uh, stream, Ben, at the moment. Um, because Simon, you- uh, Ben, if you want about out. this,
1: guys, I don't know who's internet,
0: uh, Ben it
1: is a fault here. Ben,
0: I'll send, send him a message. In, now, um, um. I'll send Ben a quick message now and I'll tell him to go out and then back in. Um, It's interesting, though, know, Michael, because I think a lot of people were quick to kind of point the finger at Josh Taylor. And obviously, at the end of the day, it's down to the fighter to adapt.
1: I apologise to anyone who might be still watching who's,
0: um,
1: who's just got me.
0: So, yeah, it's, um, I think it's difficult because obviously the fighter has is in there alone so the fighter has to adapt and the fighter has to show like a fight iq is the way it's always been described to me by of mma coaches who i speak to and i'm friends with like yes you take advice from your your, your corner when you go in between rounds but ultimately it's the fighter that's in the ring so they have to adapt yes how much of a difference is there in terms of um or should I say how much where's the threshold for the fighter taking that the instinct and then the corner sort of telling him what to do like where's the kind of threshold with that do you think
2: well that's the thing that's when it really becomes like it's it's a union it's a collaboration it's a collaborative uh, uh effort that they're putting forth so so when when the co- when he comes back and the corner says listen this isn't working let's try this you know, that's, that's when you're – even if you're not telling them exactly what exactly to do, you're saying, listen, this is fa- – we're falling behind right now, and this is the reason why we're falling behind. You're giving him too much play. This is what you have to do in order to stop his role. That's, you know, that even just little – that's where you start at least. Basically, that's where you start. And from there, um, you can start getting into particulars. Like, well, every time Lopez is coming with that right hand, pull back like pull back away from it and counter him with the left hook. Or or when you're on the inside, you know, instead of just throwing it to the, the one punch to the body, touch the body and bring it right up the middle so it goes right in between his gloves and cuts him right up here. It's things like you know your fighter specifically enough to be able to do those things. You know what his strengths are. You know what his weaknesses are. Um, listen, every time Lopez is throwing that left hook, he's catching you with it. Get your right hand up. Catch it. As soon as you catch that... That left hook, bam! Come back with your own. These are the things that fighters need, and then and then you can build up off of that, and 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 getting control or at least make it a close round. But I I didn't see anything like I, I was hard pressed. I was like, wow, this guy's a world champion because I saw none of that pedigree. I saw I didn't see exceptional speed. I didn't see exceptional power. I didn't see exceptional endurance. I didn't see exceptional durability. I, I didn't see any of the things that would make that you would think it would make a guy world champion. I'm sorry. I just didn't.
0: And um, just before I drop back out for you guys, um, I'll put this comment because I think it's a really interesting uh, comment from uh, mary Ann. It says, um, fighters usually revert back to what they know, like the, uh, De La Hoya when, May, uh, versus Mayweather senior was training him, uh, De La Hoya couldn't execute the shoulder roll, uh, I'll leave you guys to kind of discuss. It's that.
1: funny, you know, when she says that because I remember De La Hoya talking about the shoulder roll when he fought Fernando Vargas, and he was trying to do it in the first round. Um, Vargas turned up the heat, and Mayweather yeah. was sick. Was like, sorry, De La Hoya was sitting on the ropes with yeah. his shoulder like this, and you could tell he looked really uncomfortable. <laughs> but he said afterwards, but he was trying it at least. And then when yeah. he got back. Okay. Uh, Floyd Senior said, um, oh, "Your defense is working good." You know? <laughs> like he like was, you know, he was like he was. He tried to get him to do that, you know. But um, I don't think it was Oscar.
2: Yeah, um, I, I remember. Like a lot of times with fighters, if. you'd have to overhaul De La Hoya's whole style because this is something he did his whole life, right? The way he fights and and he's a yeah. reflex fighter and he's, you know, he can go to the body. He's not an exceptional infighter, but he can go to the body and step out. You know what I mean? He's yeah, not, yeah. He's not Duran or Chavez on the inside. He's none of that, but, but he is, you know, yeah, but he will be able, he does throw body shots and he throws shots to the head He's in and out. He's fast hands. Um, the shoulder roll for it. somebody that's gonna that's very comfortable planting their feet and staying on the inside. That's not De La Hoya. De La Hoya is I'm not saying he's fragile, but he's not an infighter. and and so he's he's at range, he's long range and mid range, and that's where he should be and that's where he should stay. I I can't I can't I couldn't understand why. It's almost like when what didn't Roy Jones train somebody, uh, just recently that um, Chris Bank Junior. Yeah. Roy and he and he tried and Roy tried to make this kid like him do doing the things that um, doing the things Roy would do and I'm just like no that can't be it you need to develop a, a specific plan for that fighter because his reflexes his temperament your temperament is part of your style you know what I mean like yeah every, every you specific, know, yeah
1: you know what um Donohue said when he teamed up with Emmanuel Stewart he said what their remit was what they were trying to work on. Uh, because he'd been with, I'm trying to think who he'd been with before. He'd been with um maybe a guy. It might have been with Robert Garcia before Emmanuel Stewart, right? Before Manny Stewart, I'm not, I'm not I believe that was the timeline. But anyway, when he t- there was a quote in our Boxing Monthly, um, he teamed up with Stewart, and De La Hoya said, the goal is to be a little better than Robinson was, if that's possible. Um, and that's what he told Manny Manny Stewart, I want you to make me. Better than Sugar Ray Robinson, and supposedly Stewart said, "I believe you can reach your goal, Oscar." Uh, which obviously it didn't. I don't believe it was. It, it's considered to have panned out that way. But that was he was shooting high when he teamed up with Many.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I, I remember with Many he had like a, a, an incredible stable coming up, and um, but. I know Hilmer Kenty and Tommy Hearns fought a lot alike, and but there were a lot of fighters in Kronk that didn't fight like that as well. You know what I mean? That didn't fight. Well, thank
1: you, because lately one thing I'm silk, one thing I'm sick to death of hearing lately is the Kronk style. Like everybody's like, Oh, Tyson Fury learned the Kronk style off Sugar Hill. Like he's you know, got this ancient wisdom that he's handing down for the master. Uh, they were talking about Lawrence O'Coley, oh, he couldn't get the Kronk style, or the Kronk style didn't work. What what the fuck is the Kronk style? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, basically, it's superficial, right? It's superficial. It's the left hand low, the right hand high, and, 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 yeah. and combination from there. I mean, it's, it's, it's specifically like um, – it's, it's because both Hilmer Kenty and Tommy Hearns are exceptionally tall for their division that they look –
1: I'm a I'm a
2: and and Mill McCrory, the Iceman too, but but I still think the Iceman fought a little bit different. I don't know. I don't know if he didn't look yeah. the same way like Hearns. I think he had no. a little bit more both hands up, if I remember right.
1: Yeah, he. You know what? He would do that. I mean, he he would drop the left hand uh, sometimes. I remember him doing it when he knocked Colin Jones down because yeah,
2: he had those two. He had those
1: two highly entertaining fights with Colin Jones for the vacant WBC <laughs> welterweight title. Yeah. And when he dropped Colin Jones in a rematch, uh, the first round of the rematch. I remember he was draping that lead hand in and then he brought the jab up and actually knocked him down with the left hand. But yeah. But yeah, Jeff he would he would he would give you different looks. He would put both hands up as well, you know. Um yeah. think it all he could have maybe Milton McCrory perhaps could have been perhaps seen as a potential superstar at one point, but then Donald Curry put pay to that and then after that he was just another fighter, you know, once that, yeah. once that yeah. had been resolved.
2: Yeah, well that happens a lot with fighters. Once somebody is sort of like uh finds out, finds your kryptonite. Everyone else, everyone, everyone else gets it as well. You know, they know where you live. They know where you live. Let me
1: talk to you then about um, talking to kryptonite and matchups with other fighters. So T.F.M. Lopez, despite him making a statement today suggesting he's going to retire, which I don't, I don't believe that. So let's assume he's going to continue. How do you see um, Devin Haney versus T.F.M. Lopez at one forty?
2: Um. I when I look at them skill wise, Devin Haney is a better fighter. Yeah. Yeah, I I believe so. But 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 I think if Tiafimo, his strong point in this fight would be for him to I mean just like rough him up, like use what he does, like put his body on him and he has to be on him. If he fights him at range, no way. He won't. It'll it'll be it'll be way worse than Lomachenko. He'll he'll get picked apart. He it would not be a good fight for him. He has to he has to like, you know, like all his inner demons, all the rest. Of it, he has to bring that to this fight and really fight like like Duran did Leonard and, and Durant, Leonard Duran won. That's the kind of fight he has to make it. He has to make it a dog fight. He doesn't have the skills to go with uh to go with this kid. Not long range. He's got to be mid range or on the inside. Of that. Uh, otherwise, he's he's gonna get. He's not gonna win. What do you think?
1: How about Javante Davis?
2: Javante Davis versus uh Tiafimo. Tiafimo
1: Davis.
2: <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I I don't think that's a good fight for Tiafimo at any point at all. I, I think that would be a, a, no. that would be a, that would be an exceptional beatdown. That would. The, Tiafimo's strong yeah. and, and he's got he's
1: I I've got Davis got, too.
2: Yeah. He's got, he's got courage. He's got, but I think what they're doing with Davis, what the trainers are doing with Davis is something entirely different from what a lot of people are doing. Um, They, they look at boxing differently than what a lot of trainers do. And, and that's, that's helped tank from day one. I mean, they brought him up from the amateurs and into the pros. So all this stuff now is like, it's nature for him. It's his nature. It's breathing. He doesn't have to hesitate anymore. He knows that as soon as the guy punches at me, I know he's open to be hit. If you start boxing with that strategy in your mind, that opens up a whole different world to you. It's absolutely yeah. different. It's like, no, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to think, oh, i got to defend against his punches. That's not the issue. It's like I don't care what you do. As soon as you punch, you're vulnerable. That mentality is absolutely different than any other kind of mentality going on. And that's what the exceptional fighters know on the inside, even if they don't know it, um, like if they don't topically, if they don't say it, they know that instinctually on on a different vibration. Like here, they know that when that man throws at me, as soon as he throws, that means his fist is away from his face, right? I'm here and I can do all this and I'm hard to fight. But as soon as I punch at you and I go here, look, I'm open my body's open the side of my face is open everything is everything's there for me so they don't fear punches they don't fear people that are going to punch at them they look at it like wow he's opening up the world for me and, and 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 davis has the reflexes and the power to do that he hits, the kid hits exceptionally hard not just a lightweight he's going to hit hard whatever division he goes in yeah Sorry, yeah,
1: to... it's an interesting point you raised there. You were saying Davis has been with the same guys all the way through, right? Um, you say the, the same trainers have brought him on. I
2: I said what? Sorry.
1: Sorry did you, did you say that Davis? Did you say that Davis has had the same trainers, same training team since he was in the amateurs? Is that what you uh, said? I think uh,
2: yeah, I believe he does have the same trainers from when he was in the amateurs. Right, they brought him up from there and right through to the pros. So
1: uh, that's an interesting question. I wonder when you think of the uber great fighters, when you think of the elite great fighters in history, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to have a quick um, think, think about how many of those guys had the same, pretty much the same coach or coaches all the way through, and those who chopped and changed. You know, someone like De La Hoya. I'm not saying he's one of the one of the para, you know, the premier great fighters in history, but he chopped and changed. We know he did, but he achieved a lot. Ali had the same guy all the way through, more or less, right? Uh, Andrew and came on board. From a second fight onwards. Mm. Uh Ray Leonard kept the same team pretty much, even though it wasn't all it wasn't all about Angelo Dundee. He had the other guys like Dave Jacobs and Pepe Correa and Jenks Morton helping him. And he stayed with that same those same guys all the way through. Ha- Hagler stayed with the Petronelli's all the way through, right? Yeah. Um Joe Lewis was with was with Jack Blackburn all the way through until he until he died. And then he had Manny Seaman who stepped in, but only because only because Cheppy died. So can you think of how many really – what about Duran? Duran had the – yeah, Ray O'Sell most of the time, right, and Freddie Brown and Nesta Plomo. Yes, uh, uh, yeah. uh Plomo Quinones, it was Nestor Quinones, I think. Um, so Duran pretty much had the same people around him, right? Um, Larry yeah. Holmes chopped and changed a bit, didn't he?
2: Um, so I think Duran, he did fight amateur though, right? Yeah, but regardless – I, I don't know. I don't know if he had Brown and and um, and Arcel as an amateur. I'm not sure, but as a pro. No, that, that,
1: that's that's the red herring. That's not important. I mean, you, you 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 chose to cite that Davis has had those guys as amateurs. What I'm talking about? Premier, top tier greats who had the same trainer all the way through the pros. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to hear you, but it's like it's it's really jumping in. I'm sorry um i'm getting i'm getting just bits of it. i want to answer intelligently or accurately yeah. but it's very hard for me to hear um but but one, I'm getting, I'm just one of the
1: downsides st- of, one of the downsides i don't know how everybody else is hearing me but one of the downsides about moving to this new part of london is that i've got such a lousy signal in my place we're actually going to have a conversation about getting broadbanded um instead of running things off the um the um, mobile contract data because, um, what's it? Silk. So, you're such a classy gentleman, says Paul Driscoll. Mar- 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 Marianne Ann says Pacquiao had Freddie Roach all the way through. Um, yeah, the signal here is lousy to the point where it's it's getting on my nerves and because it, it's, it's making too much impact on all all the things I need to do. So we're going to look at changing that up so this doesn't happen next week. How's it now?
2: Um, I, can, I can pick up bits and pieces, but we'll we'll do we'll do the best we can we can't can't get stopped. don't let the referee stop the fight no
1: <laughs> so I was just wondering which which how many great fighters did chop and change with the um with the with the trainers they had most of them had the same gut, had the solid teams didn't they stable solid arrangements which they stuck with through for better and for worse most most of the great fighters I would say Jack Dempsey was you know, was an example of that. Um, I think Harry Greb had the same trainer for a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he worked with Lou yeah. Stillman for, for a while, but yeah. it was—it's probably more of a modern disease, isn't it, to completely to shop around for trainers sure. and to keep. Sure, to keep I mean it's the, uh, the
2: thing that happens now. As soon as you lose a fight, then people are like. You know, you're casting about blame, and and it's an issue because you lost. Uh, losing a fight's absolutely natural. It, it's only teaching you to how to do it right. Like if you lose, that's how you correct yourself and get better. Even Floyd Mayweather, who never lost a fight as an amateur, he lost that fight in the in the Olympics, and you saw how upset he was. You saw how he was crying and all this, that kind of stuff. That's yeah. what set the stage for his professional run. You know what I mean? Like. For him to go 50-0 or 49-0, whatever it was, it's directly because of his experience in the Olympics. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, not wanting to lose, but it's the loss that carved, uh, that created the individual Pretty Boy Floyd or Money Mayweather, whatever it is. That loss played a major factor in his, you know, it made him condition as best he can it made him mentally prepare for who he was going to fight the best he can he didn't like the f- the flavor of losing so losing's a natural part of it and we're all going to lose at some point if not the start like Floyd did then at the end or in the middle but you have to be able to take that loss and cap and actually capitalize on it you actually what what, is, what what the loss is telling you is there's a hole there's a there's a, a, a loose chink in your armor and you need to tighten that and if you tighten it, you've added more weapons to your game, and then you can fight better, and you can fight better guys, and you can earn more money, and you won't lose, and you won't end up with brain damage. But you have to be able to pay attention to the things that you have, you have to, yeah, I mean, you really have to absorb what's being told, you know what I mean, the le- absorb the lesson.
1: Yeah, and and that that's a, a very popular maxim these days so on social media. People talk about that the, they you know, you learn more from a loss than you will do ordinarily from a victory. Although it's not
2: yeah, but it's not like like okay, so you're gonna lose twenty fights in a row. It's not like you're gonna learn you're gonna no. I'm learning a fight, fight forever. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're gonna be learning forever, exactly. And some people just don't get the message. But if you can if if you could learn off Every time you lose, there's less. Every time you get hit, there's less of you than there was when you started. That's the thing. In terms of resili- how resiliency works, every time you'll see it over and over and over again. And many fighters who have fought will tell you the same thing. It's like you're just getting chipped away at. you just getting chiseled away at. So every time you are taking a shot, your resilience it's like, is like, uh, like that well. The proverbial well and the well's full of water. Now, every time you drop that bucket down, you yeah. lift the water out, there's less water in the well than there was when it started. And the rain's not going to come back down and fill up that well. It's the same thing when you're getting hit. Every time you're getting hit, your resiliency is dropping, dropping, dropping. And all of a sudden you're getting hit with shots from guys that aren't even punchers. And they're hurting you. And and you wonder why. Well, that's because you know a person shipped away. So Losing, getting hit consistently, that doesn't do anyone any good. You're not going to take a better shot at the end than you did at the start.
1: No, um, which is why you shouldn't have a bunch of wars in the gym either and why you shouldn't do too much sparring and too much rough Absolutely. sparring all the time. You know, um, I, I always remember reading um, a journalist when I was a teenager talking about Frank the Animal Fletcher. And he mm-hmm. said, I will never understand why these kind of fighters like Fletcher lose their chins so all at once and totally um but you just explain yeah. why it is you know and yeah. maybe a journalist yeah. doesn't get it doesn't understand it why should he but you understand yeah. it as, as a fighter who is a sharp end like fletcher that like mm-hmm. you've only got so many movements and so much resilience and so many yeah. shots you can take and so many shots yeah. you can ride you know um
2: exactly i'm so going suggest okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, he was Mr. Excitement, a highlight reel, and he could yeah. walk through a wall in his yeah. prime. But you can't do that forever, which is why a guy like Floyd lasted as long as he did, even with bad hands towards the end of his career, because he was so damn clever and professorial yeah. and smart yeah. that he just knew how to make fights easier. Penel Whitaker was yeah. I saw a quote from him today. He yeah. said, you know... I, fights don't have to be hard. He said, "If you're looking for a hard fight, it's easy enough to get into one." He said, "Of course it is." He yeah. says, "But I personally think most of my fights have been very easy, and they, you yeah. know, they, you can see that from his style and his approach." Um,
2: yeah.
1: I'm going to suggest we we cut out at this one at the 45 minute mark. The reason being because we had these problems tonight. And also, you know, actually, I've got this not, feeling something. you're actually much better so,
2: now. Now that you're cutting off, it's better than it has been for, for 45 minutes, isn't that it always
1: seems to be the way? But I'm gonna, I'm not gonna tempt fate with that because the other thing, it, it's boring to explain it, but you know, with listen, phones, right? Phones do certain things. This is like a, a good iPhone, but you get to a point when they don't charge as good as they used to. And okay. I've got a charger in it now, but when you get that 10%, um warning um i can't see while i'm talking to you i can't see if it's charging or not that's not something when you've got the, the stream yard screen doesn't allow to see that little that little kind of zigzag thing yeah, that tells you it's charging exactly. and what i don't want to do is for it to just cut out super unprofessionally i'm not suggesting we're at this state-of-the-art cutting edge of professionalism in broadcasting right now because we do have a certain kind of rough and ready charm with our presentation as it stands but it would be worse if it suddenly just cut completely dead in the middle of a fascinating point, wouldn't
2: it? Well, which one of us is rough and which one's ready?
1: <laughs> well, you're always ready, so I guess I'll be the other guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll actually, I'll actually be um, this Thursday, this Thursday, and then you're going to run. I'm going to be in Liverpool. So I'll be cutting through.
1: So, oh. Are you gonna come down to London or not? Simple question. I'm to, I'm putting it on you. Simple yes no, or no. Are you coming to right, London?
2: Right now, I do not have a ticket to London. Well, I do have a ticket to London. It's going to stop in London, then we're going to transfer into Liverpool. But um, I do not think I'm staying for the kind of time that will allow us to shake hands for the first time. How and long? You, how
1: long are you going to be stopping on that train then?
2: Oh, I have no idea. I mean, like, I I haven't even I don't even know my mom and her and the it must be houston.
1: you must be stopping in houston it must be houston train station right that goes to liverpool
2: oh okay yeah that's what i remember yeah, yeah probably
1: <laughs> well let me know if you've got if you, if you have a relative layover i'll just come down there
2: all right cool yeah definitely i'll definitely okay. uh, let you know for sure that'd stay, be great stay
1: tuned for a live Stay tuned, everybody, for a live sugar and silk broadcast from the same place, in the same physical place, in the great city of London next yeah. Thursday. We're going to make it happen. In the meantime, thanks for Simon for bearing with us from Ace Podcast Nation. Fantastic job, as always. Tune in next week. Be lucky. Keep punching. Pow.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.